0: had to really witness the goods and the bads, my losses and my gains from this because I've realized I've carried chip on my shoulder if you will of any time I'm unhappy, I change it instantly, sometimes impulsively. <laughs> hello, hello, hello and welcome back to the shamelessly ambitious podcast. This is episode 124 and I'm going to be sharing some really personal stuff today. I honestly woke up the other night in the middle of the night with just a lot of thoughts going through my head. I think there's a lot of transition in my life. If you're a part of my email family, you're receiving a little bit more intimate emails lately. And I was telling my team that essentially I have decided that I want to create tiers, for lack of better words, if you will, within our content delivery, where Those who witness us on Instagram are getting this, not surface level, actually the example that I, what was the example that I gave? It was like those who are witnessing us on Instagram and witnessing my content and watching my stories and stuff like that. They're in the audience, right? They're in the audience. They're watching it. Imagine it's like a concert, right? And those on the podcast, hello to you. You've got like a front stage pass. Okay. You're right there up front. You're getting to actually see me a little bit more. I'm telling a little bit more story around the things that I'm sharing. It's just a touch more intimate. And those on my email are getting a backstage pass. Okay. They're getting a backstage pass because I want those who are receiving my email to know that it's really intimate. It's really vulnerable. Vulnerability is such a pillar of my brand because I believe that vulnerability breeds connection. And I've always wanted to build a business that creates just an abundance of connection. It's really super important for me. And so that's what the email is. And then uh, finally is my membership, the Empire Society membership. And the membership is like, (laughs) you get to come onto my house and you might even watch me undress. Like it is so behind the scenes. There's nothing that I will not share. There's no question that you would ask me that I wouldn't be fully, fully transparent with. Okay. So anyways, there's been some changes happening and I've been exploring how I want content to be delivered on these different platforms. And the other night, I just woke up in the middle of the night and was like, "I have to talk about this. I have to talk about this." And it was one of those nights where, like, I couldn't sleep. So I ended up writing it all down in a notes, in my notes app, of all the things that I wanted to share. Now, why I'm telling you about the tears? One, it's obviously just really good strategy. Okay, like you want to be thinking about how each different level that somebody enters in your world gives them something different, gives them a little something more. So that's my little like strategic tip for the day. Okay, in order to create a sustainable beautiful community-driven business, you do want to be thinking of these things, okay? And then the other thing that I was sharing is that the email got some real deep stories lately because I have been navigating a lot weird stuff coming up. And the thing is, I mentioned in one of the emails that I wrote that you don't know when grief is going to hit you. You can't plan for it. You can't plan for hard times. You can't plan for emotional distress. So having habits and Resources and practices to ensure that you are addressing these things, that you have something to address them, right? Moments of reflection, moments of grounding, moments of healing your nervous system, regulating your nervous system, uh, essentially emotional wellness being a key component to your life and honestly a key strategy to your business. So luckily I'm pretty aware when stuff hits me, even if it feels kind of out of nowhere. And recently I feel like a lot of stuff has been happening and I don't believe for one second that it's not on purpose, but I'm also not going to pretend like it hasn't been really painful. Childhood stuff coming up. I told some stories in the email that were in regards to my biological father and some stuff that's been coming up lately and hasn't for a while and realizing that it was actually just something I never really healed from, even though I felt like I did a lot of work on it. I just really haven't. And so I've been addressing that. I had some friendship stuff come up that really rocked me. I have definitely struggled in friendship in my life, and this was actually something that really spurred this conversation. I'm not going to talk about the specific friendship stuff. I don't feel ready. I feel pretty unhealed in that, but it did point out some important things that I think we need to talk about. Essentially, it starts in my childhood. So today is an episode that's really just personal, and I hope you'll stick around and just listen and tune in and that you gain some nuggets of wisdom and maybe just some validation some normalcy of things that you have maybe dealt with so going back in time (laughs) going back in time to little ashley and my childhood i grew up in a family that worked really hard for everything that they had full transparency and i get nervous saying this kind of stuff because i want it to be known i love my parents i think they are amazing And I particularly with my dad, and this would technically be my stepdad, by the way, in case it gets confusing, but he's been around my whole life. So he is my dad. I essentially call them bio dad and dad versus dad and stepdad for clarity's sake. Okay. So my dad tends to be one of the most pessimistic people I've ever known. And everything is just doomsday to this day, if something is going wrong, and I lean on him, or I want to share anything about my struggles, it's that's life and life is hard. And it's always going to be hard. And you just got to learn to live with it. And that was kind of how I grew up in this blue collar, working their ass off, yet still struggling always in some way, shape or form. There was always a struggle. And I was very much a witness to all the struggle. And there was definitely a lot of financial struggle. And I very early on, Consciously and subconsciously made a decision that I was going to be different. And I know that there are going to be people who listen to this episode who can totally relate to this. I just, I knew that there had to be a better way. There just simply had to be a better way. Now, back then, and I'm an 80s baby, back then, the better way was through education. I was the first person in my family to go to college, let alone grad school. And so in my head, it was like, I'm going to have a better life. And not again, not to put down my family, but I just I didn't want to struggle the way that they struggled. I didn't want to live in this life sucks. And that's what it is. And it's always going to be bad. And every time that you think it's good, it's going to kick your ass again. I mean, that to this day is sort of the mentality, right? Like it just sucks. It's terrible all the time. And I remember a lot of moments in my life where I was just like, I'm not available for that. I just don't want to think like that. Like, you do have a choice. You can change this. So I thought the the solution was education. And so I didn't actually go into therapy to start. Actually, man, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but like I was a nursing student for a while. I was a teaching student for a while. I had so many majors in my undergrad before I finally figured it out. It took me a hot second. And then I found a teacher. I found a teacher who I really looked up to, and she was a sociology professor, I just really adored her, honestly. And I loved the way that she taught and I loved um, what she did. And she was actually a therapist and a teacher. And she took me under her wing and I just, I loved it. So I got a bachelor's in sociology and a minor in psychology. And I went into school instantly after that to get my master's in sociology. The intention was always to be a professor and then eventually get the education to become a therapist. And part of it was I was literally following in the footsteps of this mentor that I had because it just seemed like she had everything, right? She had a very cush schedule in that she was within like college teaching hours, just a couple classes on two days a week and then a couple clients on the other three days a week. And the truth is, is that being a mom, motherhood in general was always on the table for me. So when I considered my future, it was like I'm going to One, it was I wanted to provide for myself. Going back a little bit, my mom was a single mom for several years before she met my dad and after she left my bio dad. And so I think I've always had it ingrained in me. I don't ever want to be reliant on somebody. I want to be able to take care of myself no matter what. And so I knew I was always going to work, but I wanted a flexible job that would make me good money and allow me to be a mom. That was important to me. And it felt like this was the right thing. And truth be told, I think most therapists will say this. I have some fucked up family members with some fucked up storylines and my own fucked up emotions. And I wanted to figure it out. I was really interested in just the concept of psychology and sociology and all the things. And the truth is I've always had a gift for making people feel safe. I've always been really vulnerable and willing to sort of like air out anything about me because I know that there is a likelihood that it will breed. A connection and a safety in somebody else. And that's always just been natural for me. I've always been really vulnerable. And so I did it. I went to school. I got a master's in sociology and then ended up double mastering. So after a year in a sociology master's, I switched over to my master's in counseling psychology because honestly, I wasn't loving my master's in sociology. I was really bored with it. It didn't feel like much different from undergrad. So I was introduced to a teacher in the counseling psychology department and it just felt like the right move. So I just simultaneously did my sociology master's like one class at a time throughout the next three years of my counseling psychology master's because that was, it was intense. (laughs) I went to CU Denver for both master's degrees and it was intense. It was really intense. Sociology was easy to be fully transparent. And so I did it hand in hand and I essentially fought to be different And here's the trend. Here's the trend in my life. I've always been a fighter. And you know how we can look back and say, oh, it sucked. I grew up in this way, or I wish that there was more optimism or whatever the case may be. But the truth is, the the pessimism that I grew up in, really, it shaped me. It shaped me to be unavailable for any form of unhappiness. And I've had to really witness the goods and the bads, my losses and my gains from this because I've realized I've carried essentially a chip on my shoulder, if you will, of like anytime I'm unhappy, anytime I notice anything of just this isn't going well, I change it instantly, sometimes impulsively, to be honest. And this is the reflection in me, right? Hello, I've sold everything that I own three times to go travel. I've lived in multiple different states. I've went from one network marketing company for a while to another network marketing company. I had a private practice. I did consulting for private practice therapists. I've done so much. And then I opened up this business and this business started in the like life coaching realm. And then I moved into the business coaching and I've never, ever been afraid to do crazy shit. That's not my thing. But on the flip side, I will say that I have been impulsive and I've made quick moves because I think I have this really deep-seated fear of getting too comfortable or accepting too much, if that makes sense. And I'm recognizing it more now than ever. Like I think in older years, you know, of like, wow, I'm not. It's not even that I'm not good at being uncomfortable, because I actually love being uncomfortable. I'm an adrenaline junkie through and through. Put me in an uncomfy position and I'm thriving. But I'm unrelenting in my pursuit of what makes me happy. Now, how has this played out in my life? The truth is, it's made a lot of people really uncomfortable. And I've realized that it's been something that is a pride of mine. I'm really proud of the decisions that I've made. Made, made, Lord help me. All the decisions that I've made. And there's a few that I regret. But nothing that I'm not proud of. Because I'm grateful for my tenacity to pursue and to push and to fight. But I've had moments more recently, and this is the vulnerable side, I'm going to try and hold the tears back, where I had internal questions of would certain relationships in my life be different if I would have just been regular, been normal, just kept one job, stayed in one house, one area, just did the normal thing. And it's not that the normal thing is bad. I have no opinions on that matter. But my way of being sort of a risky, life-altering every five minutes, always got an update kind of thing, even my life of being vulnerable and having social media and sharing my life, it is really triggered people. And in ways for a long time that I couldn't understand and that I try to put on a brave face, I try to act like, whatever, they don't understand me or they're just jealous of me. or And I I think there are instances of that. And full transparency, in case you've ever felt alone in this, I've had moments of like, why can't I just be content with the mundane? Why can't I just be everybody's cup of tea? Because I think there's this double-sidedness to it of if you're going to be a go-getter, a driven entrepreneur, a settle for nothing fucking less, a fight for everything that you believe in, a loud, proud, life on display, willing to bear it all, vulnerability as the core of what you do because you know that it connects people. If you're going to be that person, you're going to push a lot of buttons and you're going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Every move that I made, every company that I partnered with or switched from, every public transformation, I guess we'll call it. It's cost me. And I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing about that. I wouldn't make a different choice. But it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt sometimes. And I think that's the season that I'm in is I have a really hard time closing doors on relationships because especially when it's not my choice. I'm really loyal, sometimes loyal to a fault. And if we become friends on any level, I love you. And I'm going to move mountains for you. And I'm not saying that I'm the best friend in the world, full transparency. Like I'm one of those friends where you can text me and I'll respond back in two weeks or we could go without talking for a really long time. And I need the person on the other side to be okay with that. And it's not because they're not my priority. It's just life is full. And I don't think of stuff like that. But I am the person that if you were in trouble or you needed something, I'd be the first person to book a flight. I'd be the first person to show up at your door. I'd be the first person to care. And I'm grateful for that. I wish I was better as a friend. I've tried. I've been like the nerdy person trying to send reminders to myself to reach out to people and realize that's not authentic either. Like people are going to love me or they're going to hate me. But whether right or wrong, I said this to somebody lately, recently. man, my words are hard to damn in my luteal face. <laughs> I said this to somebody recently. I said, "I think that a lot of people perceive me as not caring what people think, and I can understand why. I really can, because I am confident. I do have a lot of genuine authentic confidence, and it can, I think it could easily be perceived that I don't care. In fact. A lot of times the shit that I do in my life, the decisions that I make, I do them well aware of the fact that it is not going to land well for some people. And I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I am confident. Really. And you will never meet somebody, and I hate even admitting this because it's not my favorite trait, but it's there and it's mine. It's I, I have to. <laughs> you will never meet somebody who cares more than I do about what people think. Ooh, I hate saying that. But I do. I want people to like me. I want them to enjoy me. I want them to see my value. I want to be a participant. I don't want any friendship to ever end, genuinely. And I've had friendships where I even have disagreements with them and I would never even consider to end it. I sometimes even wonder is there something wrong with me that I'm just so willing to keep toxic people in my life? And here I am, a therapist who would often suggest to people, Not to keep certain people in their lives. And yet I have. And maybe it's my loyalty. Maybe it's a weakness. I'm not really sure. All in all, as I navigate this, I just realized that I wanted to have this conversation. Somewhere along the way, I decided I will do anything to ensure that I'm never stuck, that I never look around and go, life sucks. This is what's handed to me. And I'm just going to accept it. I will fight. I will take risks. I will do whatever. And (laughs) there's been a lot of risks and decisions that I've made that have played out so well. And I think to myself like, oh, you baby ash, you badass bitch, you, you know, and then there's somewhere I'm like, that was a little impulsive. <laughs> that was wild. I'll be really honest with you. I can't even believe I'm sharing this because I haven't shared it. I'm not loving Texas. I don't know what it's going to mean for me. I don't, I'm choosing not to be impulsive. My inner ash is sell this house get the fuck out of here and move as fast as you can. My now why is trying to learn from my, I'm not even going to call them mistakes because I don't think they're mistakes, but my learned lessons is like pause, settle, you're uncomfy, stretch it out. You're fine. You're going to be okay. But this decision feels like we went from nine months abroad living in really crazy, beautiful places, but also having Americanitis, like missing America, (laughs) missing normalcy I think I came here with like eyeballs so big of just like, give me the best house and make it super American and give me a target around the corner and give me a school that I can walk my kids to and none of that was untrue but I found myself in the past couple of weeks going Meh. I don't think this is what I wanted I think I got lost in the moment and that's the impulsivity that I was referring to <laughs> So much vulnerability on this conversation because, to be honest, I have a little shame around that. I'm a little embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know if it's going to do anything. But we might end up being like, actually, just kidding. We like it. It's going to be fine. We're going to stay here, or maybe we won't. But I will move on. I will do what I need to do. And recently, it's come to light that there are some people in my world who have decided to write me off and not necessarily straight to my face, behind my face. So I don't know if that makes it better. And I'm having to find comfort's not the right word, but solace, acceptance. A long time ago, I became a girl who was not going to settle. And by the way, this doesn't mean that the people in my life or that anybody is settling. It was just my version of not settling. So let's not get crazy here. My version of not settling looked like What it has turned out as. And those decisions tend to make people uncomfortable. And that has been my greatest challenge. My greatest challenge of entrepreneurship has not been what to charge, it has not been what to offer, it has not been getting on social media, it has not been recording things, or it's not been any of the traditional stuff. I'm not perfect in it, I get mentorship for very specific reasons, but. The biggest challenge for me in entrepreneurship has been dealing with unacceptance, dealing with people judging me and choosing to turn away from me. And I have equally welcomed it in knowing what would happen while also hating it every single time. And this has not been the first time, trust me, and it probably won't be the last. I have a very small number of people who have seen me through my entrepreneurial journey to this point, from the beginning to this point, and truly, genuinely cheered me on along the way and truly, genuinely been willing to witness me and support me in my decisions and my life changes and all of it and just really see me for who I am, to know my heart and to not allow whether or not my life matches theirs or not to impact them. Yeah. So- If you're like me, or you have your own thing, but if you're like me and you have dealt with the relational woes of entrepreneurship, I have not dealt with this in my marriage, but I've heard it. I've heard a lot of clients where their husband is less than husband or wife, or partner is less than accepting of their desires and in life and business. And it's all just really challenging. It's my business, my entrepreneurial journey is as much a fourth child to me as anything else. It is, I love what I do. I love how I got here. I am so grateful for who I am and where I've gotten to. And it's part of my identity. And I think that can be really challenging to have your identity be something that others can't accept. I don't have an answer. I'm over here just processing, just journaling and sitting with the emotions and looking for places where I can take radical responsibility as always and also comforting myself. One of my favorite ways to comfort myself is to really witness the situation and then say things like, of course, this hurts. You really care about her or you have a lot of really beautiful memories with this person. And of course, this is painful. And that's okay. And giving myself the grace and space to just feel what I feel. And so, yeah, it's meant a lot of crying a lot, especially during Lodial plays, let's be real. And a lot of probably talking my husband's ear off when he could, he loves me, but it's probably, I'd rather watch football. (laughs) So that's that. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of that fancy smazzy email list or the membership and get an even bigger behind the scenes, if you think this is vulnerable, you have no idea. (laughs) simply reach out. We always leave the links in the um, show notes, of course, but you can also just shoot me a DM and say, Hey Ash, I think it would feel good to be a part of a community and a space where I don't have to feel alone in my emotions. And that's essentially what my business is, what this brand stands for. Vulnerability, connection, and realness. Yeah. Where we build sustainable businesses because sacrificing who we are, our time, the things that we come to entrepreneurship, i.e. freedom, time freedom, financial freedom, that we build it in a really proper, beautiful, foundational way that's sustainable, that's innovative, i.e. tracking with who we are and not anybody else, not a one-size-fits-all. But where the priority is always emotional wellness and ability in it is a brand I can totally stand behind. Maybe not for everybody, but I think though the brands that stay and stand the test, stand the test of trends. And they stand the test of everything because you make yourself human. And humans love real humans. They love them. We don't buy what people are selling. We buy who they are. And that might sound funky, but the truth of the matter is the people who work with me because they saw themselves in me in some way, and that makes them feel safe. And I'm so honored to do that, which is why I will always go first, even when it costs me a little. So my friend, I love you. I'm grateful for you. And I will see you on the next podcast episode.